0: You're the first one. (laughs) Sorry, I already. (laughs) I loved it. (laughs) You're listening to Living Free, your podcast for a life full of freedom and magic. I'm your host, Tanya Hirsch, and I hope that every time you listen, you feel a little bit more inspired to follow your intuition and to create a life beyond your wildest dreams. Welcome back to the Living Free Podcast, my loves. And I'm so excited to share another Soul Naked episode with you, with my sister Katie Moore. And honestly, this has been the most touching, most empowering, most alive conversation I've had so far on the podcast. I mean, every interview is special on its own, but I never had so many full-body chills. I stopped counting at some point. I had tears in my eyes. I was laughing from the bottom of my heart. I really felt so connected to her from the second the camera switched on. We've never spoken before. I just found her on Instagram and invited her to the podcast because I could feel the feminine embodiment even through the pictures and through the screen. And the second just the screen switched on, <laughs> we just started laughing. I, I put this scene at the beginning of the podcast. If you're watching this interview on YouTube, you can even see us talking naked and diving really deep and Katie is a feminine embodiment and female sexuality mentor as well as a rebirthing breathwork facilitator and she helps women with all of her heart to come home to her bodies and to fall in love with the power between their legs and that's what we will be diving in this episode. She shares her really touching story of how she's been sexually assaulted by four men in one year at the age of 14 and how this traumatic experience unfolded into drugs, sex, um, alcohol and toxic relationship patterns and how her healing journey unfolded and what brought her home to her body and to to her own power and She's really a living example that no matter what has happened to you in the past and no matter how intense your trauma was, and it doesn't mean that one trauma is bigger than the other, we all have our own experiences, but that you can always choose if you want to stay in these toxic patterns or if you take your power back and to say no more and to heal and to really take responsibility for what has happened to you and to choose a different path. And if you're ready to feel all the feels, grab a cup of coffee or tea or juice or whatever you like to drink and enjoy this episode. It's a really special one. And I'm honored that she will be guiding a two hour rebirthing breathwork ceremony in the Living Free Sister community on the 27th of March for our next Pleasure Sunday. So this is free for everyone who's part of the Living Free Sister community, but you can also just join the Pleasure Sunday. I will link everything in the show notes. And if you've never heard about rebirthing breathwork, she talks a little bit about it in the interview, but it's a very, very powerful healing modality that uses conscious connected breathing that will guide you into a state of deep relaxation and expanded consciousness. And honestly, I've had more psychedelic experiences by using breathwork than by any other drug or plant medicine like ayahuasca, mushrooms, San Pedro. I've tried it all, but nothing gave me these experiences that I had in during breathwork journeys. And Yeah, this breath has a unique and natural feminine flow It encourages you to really tune into your body and to allow everything that has been lingering down there to bubble up to the surface. And it can be a release, it can be a vision, it can be a shaking, it can be healing, it can have so many different effects. And as your body and nervous system relax in this breathwork session, you really soften into safety. And that's the base that you need for opening up. If you don't feel safe, you cannot access these deeper layers. But because you are in this state, you are able to access unhealed wounds or trauma in the subconscious mind. And these wounds often manifest in in the mental and physical body. And you can really explore and heal yourself like never before through this breath work and i would never encourage you to do this on your own because you need a trauma specialized person who can hold the space for you and katie will be guiding us through this session through meditation through the breath work and she also gives us seven days access to her so if anything comes up after the session she's there for you to to support you to guide you and it's a really really Yeah, unique experience if you want to join you're very welcome to and before we dive into the interview I have an amazing announcement to make maybe you've seen it already if you follow me on Instagram my first Mo'orea retreat called Wild Soul it's an adventurous retreat will be launched this week So it's a magical journey to untame your adventurous soul. It's from the 22nd to the 28th of August, and it's for eight souls only. It's open for men and women. And usually these spots sell out very quickly because it's a once in a lifetime experience. If you know this magical island in French Polynesia that I moved to a few months ago, you know it has a very, very special energy and I will be sharing all the magic mooria has to offer we will be swimming with the whales like right next to them this was a mind-blowing experience for me we will plant corals with coral gardeners we will see the nursery we will snorkel with sharks and rays we will kayak around little islands you will get a honey and bee tour and we will use the honey for a creative cooking class we will hike to these beautiful breathtaking jurassic park mountains and of course you will be guided through meditations breath work yoga yin yoga yoga nidra all the things that i'm sharing in my work and if this is calling your name make sure to be on my email list i will launch it 24 hours before i post it on instagram so you have to opportunity to save your spot there's different room options different um, yeah different price ranges depending on, the, on your room option and we also have the most delicious vegan healthy nutritious creative food by my sister Poeti. maybe you also saw the food already on my stories. she's really a goddess in the kitchen and I can't wait for you to taste her magic. (laughs) So I'm super excited to share this experience with you, to share a full week with you on this magical island and you're also very welcome to stay longer. If this retreat is calling your name, there will be an application process because I want to make sure the group is harmonious and really um, we're all on the same page. So you can apply and reserve your spot probably Wednesday. But if you're in my email list, you will immediately know at first hand. And now I'm super excited to share this interview with you and to welcome Katie Moore in the Living Free podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. I'm so grateful to have you here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: The first question, and I'm very curious what your answer will be, is what does living free mean to you?
1: Mm, I love that. Uh, Living free to me means that there are no restraints. There are no chains, there are no barriers, there are no walls. Being free to me means being stripped back, being stripped bare from conditioning, ideas, things that are projected onto us. Mm -hmm. um, And really just living in full unapologetic alignment, completely bare, Mm. I think. That's how it feels for me. (laughs) I loved
0: it and you really embodied it so when I first met your profile I saw your pictures and you speaking on camera I could really feel this this free liberation expression like the really Mm. feminine embodiment in its essence just by being you so (laughs) 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 Mm -hmm. um So I'm curious because now you are this embodied feminine woman in in her power. What is your personal pleasure journey? What brought you to this essence, to your personal essence?
1: Wow. Yeah, what a journey it's been. So for me, my personal journey started when I was 14. I was sexually assaulted by my stepbrother. And within a couple of weeks of that, I was then physically assaulted by my father. Within six months, maybe just a little bit less, I was then sexually assaulted by two men at the same time. So I was put in positions where uh, I didn't know who was there or what was happening. And um, that for me, that trauma specifically has only really come to light. In the last 18 months it was so deeply buried um, within my subconscious because it just i wasn't ready to to heal and to move through it and to really fully feel it right you do have to feel it to heal it and i just wasn't ready so i was 14 and my nervous system just went into overdrive i was just sleeping probably about 20 hours a day. I didn't know how to cope. I didn't have the support. I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have the wisdom. I didn't have the understanding and knowledge is truly power. And I didn't have that. So I just became completely disconnected from my body. I was riddled in shame and guilt. And the only way that I could cope in that moment was just to shut down. So. That's what my body did. My nervous system just shut down and I went into freeze. Mm -hmm. So my mother, who um, I was with at times, so my mother and my father are separated. She left when I was one. And my father is an alcoholic narcissist who has a tendency to beat (laughs) women. And yeah, it's been (sighs) such a wild journey to unravel the father wound and the relationship with the masculine but also with my mother as well there's definitely wounding there which is so interesting because I feel as though listening to my story it might feel as though or seem as though you know the relationship was damaged with the masculine but actually if it's if it's you know wounded in one it's going to be wounded in the other and the answer is not to um you know, if you're in your masculine, you can't just dance naked and be in your feminine. That's not how this works, right? You know, or if it's vice versa, setting strong boundaries or being really present and being really grounded, that's not how this works. It's about stripping everything back, right? Being bare, unlearning what we know, and then starting to build up from that. And that's how you start to get into your, your natural essence and your polarity and your energetic flow. So I was, I was living with my mother and um, she took me to the doctors and said, I think she's on drugs, which ironically came later. Um, And they diagnosed me with clinical depression. So I started going to counseling every Saturday, 9am for what turned out to be four years, but I didn't speak about anything for over a year. So I would just go, I would sit there. I would speak when spoken to. I would answer questions I'd move around things. I wasn't quite ready to kind of to be i think the the two things for me, and I'm not sure if anyone listening can relate if anybody's experienced trauma no matter what the scale right like my trauma compared to someone else's trauma there's there's no there's no um inferior or superior it's it's all um relevant it's it's all your experience it's all valid but for me it was this two things if I said it aloud it was real if I had said what happened to me then it was real and I couldn't take it back I couldn't live in denial and the second was shame I felt so much shame and so much guilt and you know how is this my fault how could I turn back time was it because of what I was wearing was it because of what I was saying was it because I was you know, provocative, like all of these questions, all of these why, should have, could have. And in reality, it wasn't my fault at all. I was 14 years old and every single man was in their late 20s to 30s. And my father was in his 50s and 60s. So it wasn't on me, but it's so, in those moments, you just don't, you don't know what you don't know, right? Like that's life. So you can't punish yourself for not knowing something. All you can do is make, the best with the information that you have in any given moment. So I started to talk about it and open up about it. Even till this day, it's really interesting. I've been working a lot with my mother wound the last 18 months, but even to this day, my mother doesn't really know what happened. Like she's never sat down with me and asked me because if it's too much for her, she doesn't really want to get involved. She doesn't really want to know. So therefore this separation um, for her means it's not real and she doesn't have to deal with it there so I can see it being mirrored back to me right we're all divine mirrors and reflections of one another whether we like it or not the biggest thing I think I've ever learned especially about the mother wound was I went to my therapist and he said to me what are the three things that you dislike or irritate you the most about your mother and I sat there and I was like you know a b and c and he was like mm. And he was like, and where can you see that And you?" And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> All my life, we laugh and we joke and we, <laughs> we go into, you know, we're products of our parents. We do everything that we can to not be our parents, but you know <laughs> it's conditioning and you just think, fuck, okay, okay, great. Okay. So it's my job now ancestrally. It's my job to, to do the work. Okay, cool. Now I've got it. Great. Yeah.
0: I loved it. Yeah, so true.
1: <laughs> and, um, and yeah, so I, I was, it was basically for me, counseling, like the therapy that I was getting was kind of just putting a band-aid on a bullet wound. It wasn't actually getting to the core, the root of the problem. It was just like putting something surface layer on, and it was just, it just didn't work. So I therefore, you know, was creating coping mechanisms and habits with, you know, being really promiscuous and probably quite dangerous and putting myself at actually more risk and not caring, um, not having any boundaries, um, drinking a lot, drugs really really toxic relationships but underneath all of that was just a really wounded little girl who wanted to be loved like when I first started doing my journey like properly going in it was just this immense sadness that I just wanted to be loved that's all I wanted from people was to love me but equally I was giving away my power because I was like love me love me make me whole love me and actually that's not how this works? It completely mm-hmm. comes from within, you know. Like this, it's especially the safety. <clears throat> I see this quite a lot. The moment, in fact, I saw something today on social media, and it was talking about safety and the the feminine feeling safe within the masculine, and saying this <clears throat> man said. Um, um, the the true testament of the the man the masculine who does the work is how safe the feminine feels within his presence and I thought to myself mm, I can I can kind of see how yes of course somebody doing the work so that they're aware and you know that self awareness is is key right and going to their depths I go to my depths so I can meet you at yours that's the real embodiment of the work that I do but it's actually In fact, I commented, which I very rarely do, but I was like, "Mm, "You know, the how how safe a woman or the feminine feels in externally is only a measure of how internally safe she feels. If you do not feel safe Mm. on the inside, Mm -hmm. no one is going to make you feel safe." Yes regardless of masculine or insert anything that you like, it's not going to happen. It comes from within, you know, it's, I always say to my partner, like, oh, you are such a beautiful addition. I'm so grateful you're in my life because he doesn't complete me (laughs) because I, I am complete. I am whole without him. I do not need him to be whole. And the whole healing journey is, you know, you don't heal because you need fixing. You don't heal because you're broken. You simply heal to remember your wholeness. Mm. And that's really what it is all about. Oh, full body chills. Mm. Oh, someone <laughs> needs to hear that. I love it. My nipples went bad.
0: <laughs> So true. I think it's our inner masculine, the the sacred inner union that we need, that we have access to our inner masculine to hold ourselves in these feminine emotional storms. And only when we met ourselves there, then our partner or anyone outside of us can hold us too. It's a nice shoulder to lean on, but we've met ourselves there before. I totally agree. Mm. So... From in my
1: journey, I was taken up until I was about 18 and I met uh, I was a makeup artist at the time, and my partner was an actor. I met on set and it was very romantic. you know, it was very like love story, fairy tale. Um, but he was in deeply within this world and there's lots of drinking, there's lots of drugs. And that's kind of for me just escalated a lot. And I take full responsibility for what I did. You know, I didn't have to take the first line of cope. that was totally on me, but he um, took me to this party. He knew that it was there because he wanted to do it and he was doing it behind my back. So he introduced it to me in this way so that um, I, he could then do it more and it would be something that we would do together. Like I take self responsibility, but it was just, <clears throat> up until that point, I didn't really actually take drugs. I, I just drank, that was kind of uh, my poison of choice, I guess, because in some way I felt as though I had control, even though when you drink, you don't have any control in that moment I did. And, and then when I started taking coke, I, cocaine, I, I thought I had control because it wasn't like a psychedelic or It was so crazy that this, this kind of idea that I had around it and this need to control, which is even, you know, even more uh, telling about the situation. So we dated for a couple of years on and off. And he he just, I was just a shell of a woman. Like he would say to me, you have no friends, you have no family, nobody loves you. Um, you know, I wouldn't even go to the, the grocery store on my own because I had no confidence. Like yeah. I would not leave the house unless he was there. Yeah. And I'm sat here today naked. Oh my God. <laughs> I wave my pleasure toys online quite freely. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I couldn't have been further from who I am. I was so <laughs> disconnected, but it's um, yeah. It's when I look back, it's it doesn't feel it f- doesn't feel like me. I don't even see parts of myself. I don't see who I am now in that woman, but you know, the the not giving up the determination, the setting those boundaries, even though they were late, you know, or whatever. I see that part of me in her, but yeah, it feels feels very, very different. So I booked a one-way ticket and I went to America and I met a group of people out there and we just drove from New York to LA and it was this big, like, life-changing moment for me and it just felt really expansive and it was so beautiful to be around all these people who like opened up my world so much more from the world that I had been living in. Because like I said at the beginning, you don't know what you don't know. So if you do the same job, if you see the same people, if you do the nine to five and you go out in the same bars every every weekend, like that's your world mm-hmm. and you don't know anything more, but there is so much out there to be explored and to be enjoyed and to be embodied. And it really opened me up, but still I hadn't got to the roots of my problem. So underneath everything, there were all these underlying tendencies, habits that I was falling back on that were my crutch. And when I got back, my grandfather, who is the only man in my life uh, and the only constant like masculine figure in my life passed away really unexpectedly. And for me, it just completely shook my world. And I just went into self-destruct like never before. Everything else had just it was sort of like I was living on this edge and like, like it, it was going to go. Like, you know, I was, I was, I was bound to fall at some point. Something was bound to give, but it just, it was only up until that moment where I just fell and everything was just magnified, the drink, the sex the drugs, the relationships, the um, disordered eating. I went from eating like comfort eating when I was like younger to then I was eating about 600 calories and going to the gym and burning 600 calories every day. Mm. Like it was this need to control. I couldn't control anything externally to me. And that was the only thing that I could control. So that's what I did. It got to a point where I just, I had had enough. I had nothing else. I had nothing, nothing left to give. And I tried to take my own life. And I remember leading up to that point, Googling the tallest buildings in London or what happens if you drink bleach? And I was like playing with this idea of it. But it's, I was like, no, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it. This isn't like a cry for help. This isn't a publicity stunt. This is like, I'm, I'm done now done and I remember my auntie called me and I spoke to her on the phone and I just remember putting down the phone being like it's so weird she has no idea that I just googled the tortoise building in London like it was just this it was from the outside I was the fun one I was the bubbly one I was the pretty one I was the skinny one I was the one all the guys wanted to date you know I used to like totter around this little London office in my in my um, pencil skirts and high heels. And, you know, on the outside, I, it was this fun loving woman. But on the inside, I was just so, I don't know, hurt, just deeply, deeply hurt. And um, it was a Friday afternoon and I was at Notting Hill tube station in London. And I just was like, okay, this is it now. Like, I'm done. Like i this is, today's the day, this is it. So I took one foot in front of the other as the train was coming. And I mean, it was just this, the the most surreal moment where some, someone, something, I believe it was my angels, literally like grabbed me and pulled me back. And this train went straight past me. And I was like, I was like, whoa, okay chills again (laughs) um and uh I like I looked around and I was like is am I am I here am am I alive like I didn't even know what had happened and I looked around and everyone was just on their phones or reading a newspaper or talking and I was just standing there um someone saved me and I don't know who to this day I, I I genuinely don't know who and um I went home and my mother was coming up to London the next day and I thought I'm gonna tell her. So she, I remember getting in the car with her and she, we were gonna go off to lunch together. And I said, mom, I'm, I'm partying quite a lot. She was like, yeah, I have noticed. Um, are you okay? And I just, I said, yeah, I'm taking Coke. And she was like, get your stuff, we're going home. Like that was it because I knew there was no way she was going to leave me in London. I knew if I told her, then, then something would have to give, something would have to change. And up until that moment, there's been plenty of plenty of moments which have been pretty shitty and very shocking. You know, waking up in people's houses, I have no idea who they are. Like absolutely no idea. Couldn't tell you how I got there, who they were, nothing. Countless occasions, countless occasions, I've got drunk and found myself in, in just, Oh, so much. It's an, And as a whole podcast episode, if not a novel on its own, <clears throat> but um, I knew that something would have to give and um, that was it. So I went home and uh, I was on suicide watch for about a month and I wasn't allowed to like leave the house. I had to be supervised all the time and I was put on antidepressants. And... For me, and I, I speak from a place of eyes, so not to project on other people's experiences. And I'm very much someone who is, I feel as though you need to do what's right for you. It's your sovereign right. If you, if that's what works for you, then you do that. If you don't, then don't. I don't project my, my thoughts, my feelings onto other people because that's not my place to do. But for me, I was on them actually for four years. Um, I was just, Gray, like it wasn't black and white. It was just this numb sensation where I couldn't really hear music. I couldn't taste food. I couldn't really see colors properly. It was just this mundane, numb existence. I couldn't, I wasn't really happy, but I wasn't sad anymore, but I wasn't happy. So I didn't get anything. I didn't get any ebb or flow. And for me, I want to feel like I spent most of my life numbing myself and disconnected from my body. So now I'm like, I want to feel it all Ooh. like, highest highs and the fucking shittiest <laughs> lowest lows where you're crying on the bathroom floor. I still get those, right? Like, years in, I still get those moments and they will continue to come. But I would so rather have those highs and their lows to feel feel and to be human and to to live than just to exist for me so I went until I was about I was on antidepressants until about 2017 so when I was about 23 I took over a property company in the Isle of Wight which is a small little island off of the UK I had no friends. I had no family. There was no connection there. It just felt like the right thing to do. Now I know it's intuition, right? Like, <laughs> I didn't know these things back then. I mean, I've always been really intuitive, um, very psychic, always an old soul, you know, always been told all of these things, but I never really pieced it all together. Mm-hmm. And I just followed, I followed this calling. So I went and I was still drinking a lot. I still had these tendencies. The biggest thing for me is loneliness it's one of the big the, my, one of my biggest fears in life, not so much now because I love being with myself and I've created this unbelievable relationship with myself. But before is this loneliness, I remember just most of my life feeling lonely mm-hmm. and isolated and misunderstood and just. I don't know and then going off to an island separate from everything I've known was just kind of creating even more of that which is almost a bit sadistic in a way I guess but it was all all divinely aligned and and perfect but um, I went there and I started dating someone in London and I'd go up on a Friday, I would see him about seven o'clock once he'd finished his work drinks, we'd go for dinner, we'd go for drinks, we'd have a laugh, we'd have sex. I'd wake up the next day and I'd leave at 9am. If anyone is listening to this and doing this right now, stop, stop this very fucking moment because <laughs> you deserve more, yes. Yes. you are worthy of more. And in fact, if, if you identify more in the feminine, then you you will never have enough. You will always want more, and that's okay. It's totally okay to want more, to desire more, more love, more pleasure, more ecstasy, more money, more abundance, more of everything you desire. You will always want more, and that's absolutely okay. Embody that. Live from that place if I can't get enough because there will never be enough. And actually that's really freeing when you know that there isn't any limit. So you can just have it all, but what all is to you might be all is something very different to somebody else. Right. Um, I digress. That was my little, my little rant. You're worthy. <laughs> my love, that. My love rant. <laughs> and, um, And yeah, I just remember I did this for about four months and I said to him, what are we doing? Like, where is this going? I wouldn't hear from him for like days at a time. Like he just wouldn't reply to me. He was not interested. I got the bare minimum. It was me doing everything, like chasing after these little breadcrumbs of love that he was giving me. And um, I just remember that it was a Saturday and I was in the shower and I just burst into tears and I was just like, fuck this. I like, am done. I was so sick of his shit, but I was even sicker of my own shit. I had finally hit rock bottom. And it's such a difficult and dark, uncomfortable, contracting space to be. But the most beautiful thing about rock bottom is that you can't go any lower. Mm-hmm. The only way is up. So in that moment, I just decided. I ended it with him. I started going to the gym. I stopped eating takeaways. I stopped drinking alcohol Monday to Friday. I didn't date anybody, which was like a really big thing for me. And um, because I'd never been on my own, I didn't know how to be on my own. I literally went from relationship to relationship, like consistently. I was, I never had time on my own because time on my own was lonely. It was time to think, it was time to feel. And I just couldn't, I couldn't cope with that. And then I met about six months later, I met somebody who, <laughs> I look back now and I have to laugh because I'm like, it was just the universe giving me the ultimate test, which I fucking failed that so badly. <laughs> 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 uh, the gun looking down being like, oh honey, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, what was I thinking? (laughs) I I met this guy and it was just pure lust. Like I never felt lust like this. It was just hot and steamy and inappropriate in all the right ways. And it was just (laughs) Oh yes, but it was it was drinking and it was drug fuel, like everything that I'd started to work my way through. And he was getting a divorce. And oh God, just insert all the red flags. Like honestly, I thought it was a carnival. I was like running towards them. Like these red flags. No, and I'm like, yeah, it's a party. Like, oh. Oh. Honestly, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, that happened. So we went, out to, we went out to Amsterdam and like we just did loads of drugs and it was just the, the, just the most, t- everything I'd, I had worked my way through was just there and I was just back there all again. And he turned around the morning that we were leaving. And he just got up, picked a fight with me and left. Like, just left. Left me to pay the hotel bill, Ooh. didn't get it, turned off his phone. I went to the, t- I had to get my own taxi to the airport. I got to the airport, refused to talk to me. And I have about ba- like an abandonment wound, which is, is something that I have to work on a lot. But this abandonment wound, this, this person just cut me off. Like, it was, Oh, like a dagger to the heart. And that was without self-awareness. So like to feel that was just almost unbearable. we got on the flight, wouldn't speak to me, got off the plane, walked out at Heathrow Airport and I never saw him again. That was it, just left. And I was like, oh my goodness. (sighs) What has just happened? This person was telling me he loved me 48 hours ago, and it's just left me. And it was just this, this constant cycle where I still actually see it playing out in my life now, but in other areas, like with friendships um, and things like that. I've had people be really full on, really lovely, oh yeah, and then just leave. And it's it's like this um, the sensation of feeling relentless And it's very interesting because that's how I felt as a child. That's the way my mother felt. She was always like this constant all and then nothing. You know, I love you, I love you, love you. Oh no, nothing. I'm not here anymore. So it's so interesting when I look back now with perspective to be like, oh my goodness, look how it's played out all my life. Mm -hmm. And it will keep, if you can think of a, a situation for anybody who's listening, if you can think of a situation that keeps happening to you it's for a reason, <laughs> There's no mistakes in the cosmos. If you have something that keeps happening in relationships and friendships and in work and in, in insert anything that keeps happening, you're like, I don't understand why, sit with it, look at it, feel it. You know, I always like going into your body. That's the biggest work that I do is working on a somatic level. Um. Yeah. And I just remember crying on the bathroom floor. Like I didn't, I couldn't feel like I, I, I didn't feel like I could breathe. I was so hurt by this. And I went back to the Isle of Wight. <laughs> Again, God having a little cosmic joke, um, bought me my, brought me this, this person into my life, um, within like two weeks. And I just couldn't believe it that there was this, this, this man, this masculine figure in my life who, the opposite of everything that I'd ever known of everything that I'd ever desired or or been with and he was soft and he was kind and he was caring and he was a world champion athlete so he didn't drink so I went teetotal for a while like it was it was so interesting to see the polarity within like weeks of each other and I was off I after that incident in Amsterdam I I was like, I actually can't do this. Like, I really, really can't put myself out there anymore because it just hurts too much. It hurts. It, it just, oh, the pain. It was just, yeah, wild. But again, it, I, hadn't, I hadn't healed. I hadn't healed. I hadn't done the work. I was, yeah, cool. I was going to the gym. Yeah, I was drinking less in between parts, you know. But I hadn't healed. I hadn't talked about my trauma. I hadn't gone into my body. I hadn't hadn't done anything. I, I was still disconnected. So no wonder these things would keep playing out. And then I went from, you know, classic polarity. I went from drinking and drugs to teetotal, to binge eating, to eating hardly anything. Well, for me with the disordered eating, something that comes up more often is, I don't eat anything all day and then I binge eat at dinner. Um, and interestingly, I, I wasn't aware that that actually was a real, um, like thing. <laughs> I just thought that that was normal because I wasn't overweight and I wasn't underweight. So therefore how could I have a, a disordered eating? But then when I started to do the work that started to come up the relationship with food and uh, the relationship with food and money for me is linked which is so fascinating. I mean, everything is linked. If, if you look at your life, you know, your sexuality, your business, your relationships, everything is interconnected. They're not separate. We like to put, make them separate because it feels like it's easier maybe. I don't know. And we like to put things in boxes, which is the opposite of what I like to do. So just open the lid, get everything out, put it together <laughs> because everything's going to be mirrored everything you know the way you make love the way that you have sex is exactly how you will be you know in your business massively um so just noticing those habits and those sensations and what's being played out what's being reflected to you in conversations or when you're making love do you hold your breath because it's control where else are you doing that that's so something that I really love to do in some of the work that I do is rebirthing breath work and the breath is this most beautiful divine mirror because how you breathe is how you show up in life like where's the resistance like where can't you let go how can you not surrender what's coming up and you know everything when you breathe what comes up is already there everything is already underneath the surface it's just this beautiful light that's being shone on it um and with the rebirthing it's this the most beautiful deep descent into your body it's a powerful unraveling and a gentle homecoming all at the same time and it's this beautiful feminine breath where you breathe in and out through your nose so you inhale in then you just let go and drop your diaphragm and it's the most the single most deeply healing modality i have ever come across and that's why i share it with others because it's yeah it's it's life-changing it's life-changing so i digress as usual you'll get to know this it happens a lot <laughs> but i met somebody uh and i did yeah i went total, and i just did the complete opposite so i just um was working all the time exercising all the time so it just went from these habits to this habits you know and then it was 2019 and I was at a yoga retreat in Spain and I thought to myself I'm gonna become a yoga teacher next year and I didn't know how and I didn't know why but I was like it's watching the sunrise this is just this is going to be my stepping stone that's what's Going to take me out of the life that I have and take me somewhere new, somewhere somewhere that I'm supposed to be. Irony is, you're always exactly where you're supposed to be. We always try and get somewhere else. We're always trying to, you know, I don't use the term goal for me. I like intention. It feels feminine. It feels fluid. There's no setting up for failure. Uh, It gives you the flexibility and the fluidity just to change your mind because we're always going to. We're cyclical beings. We're changing from moment to moment, day to day. So, what I desire right now is not what I'm going to desire tomorrow, and that's absolutely okay so give myself that freedom to, to do that and to embody them. And I came back and I, I had no connection with my womb or my sexuality in any way at this point, but I knew something was wrong. So I went to a surgeon, a private surgeon. And I just was like, I just need some tests. I know this sounds crazy, but something's wrong. I'm not quite sure what, it just doesn't feel right. So um, I had an ultrasound and they found a six centimeter cyst on my left ovary and four centimeter cysts around my left ovary. A little bit of endometriosis in the lining of my womb. So I had to have surgery. And at the time I was 26. And they said to me, you're going to struggle to conceive. Mm. You went, Fertility is going to be an issue for you. That's just something that you should be aware of because you're in a long-term relationship. And in that moment, I was like, fuck. Because I knew, I knew I was destined for more. Mm. The relationship, I, I needed more. I wanted more, he wasn't enough for me. And that, that might to some sound awful, But I'm happy in saying that because I'm in a relationship now where he's incredible and and I'm so glad I didn't settle. And I, I, you know, from the outside, I I was successful. I had it all. I had the money, I had the career, I had the house, the dog, the car, the man, I had everything. But I was like, this isn't me, I'm destined for more. And it's terrifying. It's terrifying, especially when nothing's actually wrong. You know, we tend to look for reasons not to be with someone. The fact that you're looking for a reason is the problem. That's <laughs> your <Magical> sign. <laughs> I, used to be like, I used to be like, you know, like to the universe, oh, send me a sign of, of a butterfly <laughs> to show me that, you know, that this is the, like, that I should, I should leave this relationship and I would see one butterfly, and I'd be like, oh, was that a butterfly? Was it a moth? I don't. <laughs> don't, I, don't <laughs> oh, <that's fine. laughs> I need a blue oh, one. Yeah. I'm going to be specific. Blue. I need, yeah, exactly. I need a blue one. <laughs> oh, God. I still do it now, to be fair. I do. I'm very specific. <laughs> Honestly honestly what am I like anyway, I'm sure that I resonate with this or something. I, what's that a sign I need a bigger sign I know I'm gonna wait I'm gonna wait for a bigger one because that wasn't enough <laughs> and uh, talk about denial um so yeah I got in the car and he hugged me and I just burst into tears and I just knew like this is it like this is the end and I, we went our separate ways. I then started to come back. I am I live in Brighton in the UK and uh, I started to spend a bit more time here and it just felt right for me. It felt expansive. I was used to this tiny little island life and I mean, well, you've been listening to me, you know what I'm like, like I'm here, I'm like full of life. I want to experience everything. There's so much to me. Like I'm multifaceted, multi-orgasmic. Like I just want it all. I want to experience everything that life has to offer. I'm a Taurus sun, Scorpio rising. I'm here for all of the earthly pleasures. Like I am here. (laughs) I'm ready. Legs open, heart open. I'm ready to receive. (laughs) And um, yeah, I'm that I, uh, about five, four months in uh, to being here, my, I went to a yoga class on a Friday morning and my partner put his yoga mat next up, down to mine. And then <laughs> he on it and I was patty. <laughs> what can I say? And I uh, love a back I <laughs> love a flexible man. And uh, <laughs> and that was it. We met and we, we were friends first because he was going back to LA and I was going off to Spain and, you know, it was just this interesting time, but we just became, we were best friends first and that's thats how it happened. And he's been such an important part of my journey because I've never met anybody who, A, is as kind or as soft or as loving as he is. And, I am the woman I am because he is the man that I am, because he allows me to unravel. He allows me to fall apart. He holds me. He loves me unconditionally. To love without condition. Like how many how many things can you say that about? Like how many things do you love without condition? How many people do you love without condition? You know, and I feel that. There's nothing I could do or say that would make him think less of me or, or judge me. and. All of my life, I felt that I've, I've, I've been loved conditionally by everyone, family, friends, relationships. And it was the first time that I truly felt that. And he loves me on the days that I find it hard to love myself. And I feel like that's what's so important um, in, in a relationship is being a team. Like he's my teammate, you know, and I mean he puts up with me I mean self-pleasuring in the afternoon I've got crystal ones being delivered I've got black obsidian butt plugs I'm like oh let's try like position of the week and I'm going to put it out to my audience but it has to be tried and tested he's like okay <laughs> he just goes along it. with it he's just like <laughs> okay and like nothing surprises him anymore and that's what I love because I don't have to hide parts of myself. I don't have to be anybody different. I I am me unapologetically and I would be anyway, but it just helps on the moments when you have those little those little moments of doubt or you know little wounds come up to raise their head or you know yourself saboteur and I said to him the other day I was like just tell me I've got this he was like babe you've got this and I was like yeah <laughs> I do. yes I do and it's not that I need him to tell me that it's just that having that support and being able to receive for me to be open to be able to open up and receive his love and the way in which he holds me has been so healing but so difficult like being in a relationship there is nothing that is going to fast track you into healing than being in a relationship or dating fuck me that is an express way <laughs> to deep trauma healing if you have an abandonment wound father wound mother wound entanglement trauma anything insert anything that you like it is going to come up the moment you start dating, attachments, everything. And that's why there's so much, that's why they're so fucking hard. That is why they are worth it. That is why going on these journeys is is so worth it. And if maybe you're not ready right now to go on that journey, maybe the time is to focus on yourself. There is still so much healing to be doing there. A lot of the work that I do is with self-pleasure and coming home to your body. A lot of the work I actually do, in fact, almost all of the work I do is actually just you as an individual. It's unraveling, undressing, coming home. It's, you know, the connection to your body, the connection to your womb, to your yoni, to your pleasure. That is all the work that I do because that's where it starts. You know, if if you are unable to feel pleasure or experience pleasure on your own, how are you going to expect other people to do that for you? So how can we expect him or her to pleasure us if we don't even know what we like ourselves? If we haven't explored our bodies, if we haven't regulated our own nervous systems. I used to think that having a regulated nervous system was BS, I just thought there's nothing sexy about that. Like a nervous system, no. Dripping wet, multiple orgasms, squirting, I'm here for, like regulating nervous system. No, I'm good. Thanks. Like you can keep that. I want to fast track. Like, I'm good. But it's so funny because that's just the classic um, way in which we've all been brought up and actually something which we're really embodying now more than ever. It's like, I want what I want and I want it now. In fact, I probably want it yesterday and it's actually starting to slow things down. You can't feel things if you are jacked. If your nervous system is jacked, which mine has been most of my life, you are unable to feel anything. If you are here at 10 on, an, on a nervous system scale, so 10 is fight and flight, and minus 10 is freezing fawn, and you are trying to get up here to an orgasm, there is no way you are going to be able to do that. You have to come back to center, to balance. It doesn't have to be completely equal, but in a balanced, regulated state, to then be able to go up and receive pleasure, to be able to open yourself up. That if you do not feel safe in your own body to open up, you will never open up for somebody else. If you do not explore your body with self-pleasure, how are you going to know what you do and don't like? Because if you don't know, your sexual partner's not going to know. Your sexual experience is your responsibility. And people will be going, oh, that bitch, how dare she? How dare she? <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. It's true. If you do not like something, if something is not pleasurable, if you do not feel safe, if you do not have your boundaries, Mm, you know, boundaries is such a key part of the work I do. Safety, number one, Mm -hmm. boundaries Mm -hmm. and consent. And consent, when I talk about these, yes, these are both in a solo practice and a pleasure practice or with a partner but you have to feel safe. You have to know where your limits are, where your boundaries are, where you are and and not willing to go to. Because if you say yes and you mean no, that causes trauma. Whether it's with a partner you've been with for 10 years or you've met on the first night, if you don't listen to your body and get consent from her, because she will talk to you. We have this disconnect or this, um, we feel as though our mind and body and soul are separate, but they're not, they're all part of one, but your body is not against you. She is your best friend. It's about creating this relationship of trust, of love and honor and respect. Your yoni is your sacred temple. Mm. So it's coming back to her and honoring her with reverence. When you see yourself, see yourself fully, when you touch yourself, touch yourself with reverence, when you move and when you make love and when you pleasure, embody that pleasure like the goddess that you are. Mm. And you are worthy of that. You are worthy of that, taking your time slowing things down. There's no need to rush. I'm not saying that, you know, sometimes a quick self-pleasure practice or a quickie with your sexual partner isn't fun. And there can be a lot of fun in that. There can be a lot of pleasure in that, right? I'm not saying that everything has to be this like so slow, sacred sensuality. I'm not saying that sometimes, you know, I want to be called a dirty little slut and have my hair pulled. Great. Sometimes I really want to be touched and stroked. Great. We don't have to be one thing just because You feel like it one day doesn't mean you have to feel like it the next. Really, for me, it's about meeting yourself where you are, not yesterday, not when you were 18, not where you want to be, but where are you now? And starting to create that relationship with your body so that you know, you know oh, I'm feeling a little bit out of, regu- like I'm, not, I'm deregulated. I'm not feeling quite like myself. So I'm just gonna need some time to really soften into it. For example, I said to my partner a couple of months ago now, I said to him, I feel as though I initiate a lot of the um, the sex, or the, you know, the sexual experiences that we have. I would really like it. Communication, by the way, number one is absolutely key. Mm-hmm. So learning to speak your truth, learning your boundaries, feeling safe, it all comes in with a communication. And I said to him, I feel as though I initiate quite a lot of the sexual experiences. And he said, I understand what you're saying. Thank you for telling me. I really appreciated it. Noted, great. That's all it has to be. It doesn't have to be this huge thing. It doesn't have to be, he said, she said, it doesn't have to be this, you don't, you don't do this. I don't do that. It doesn't have to be any of that. It can be really cool, really calm. I always find having conversations doesn't have to always be in the bedroom. It can actually be out when you're in a really neutral place, like going for a walk or something like that, where you're outside of your home, especially if you have it together um, and kind of taking out the charge from it. And so it's, really, it's just really nice and really neutral. Um, and I was like, noted. I, he was like, okay. I was like, great, cool. Then the next day he called me into the bedroom. He's like, oh, can you help me change the sheets in the bedroom? I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. No worries. So I went in and he had put candles everywhere. Like the entire room was full of candles. There were my um, crystal wands all over the bed. There were petals. It was just, oh, it was like this, this beautiful sex dungeon. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it was just, Oh, it was, oh, good. Even now I'm like, yes. Um, <laughs> honestly, she's like, she's purring. Um, <laughs> um, oh, I've lost track. Honestly, I've got a hot and bowl. Honestly, I've got hot. Um, he's called down. Um, but because he'd caught me off guard, because he'd called me in, and because I'm not used to him doing that, my body went into uh, flight, Uh, I could feel my heart rate starting to go in this anxiety in my stomach. And he was like, and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, you just caught me off guard. So I feel a bit like a taken back by it. Not that it's a bad thing. This is just my primal, you know, biological reactions. That's okay. Right. You can't fight that. And We lay on the bed and he was like, this is all about you. Like, how can I serve you? Like, what is it that you desire, right? I mean, if you're listening, I'm like, oh my (laughs) God.
0: Ready to go.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right? Because your heart and your pussy are connected, right? If you have a clenched fist around your heart Mm -hmm. and you are not able to open your heart, you cannot open your pussy, So that is number one. So him saying to me, it's okay. What do you need right now? And I said, I would really love it if you would just stroke me really gently and just bring any, and just like stroke my stomach and my belly and over my chest and just really just like bring me back down into regulation. Mm -hmm. So he did. And we have this, We've, we've been taught and educated that, you know, female sexuality is like men's sexuality light. It's like, it's not quite as good. It's like the same, but not quite as good. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> fucking <Absolutely> not, <laughs> right? Let me just put that out there right now. No, oh. I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable. Because we've been been brought up to either be be like a man or be liked by a man. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, we have been put into these boxes. It is time to break free. You cannot be put into a fucking box. Like you are multifaceted. Mm -hmm. You have so many like flavors of the feminine it's not even possible I don't feel to even know all of them. Like she just is ever changing, ever evolving. what you desire, like what you um, are open to exploring, like your sexual experiences like it's it's going to forever change. What I liked six months ago is is not necessarily what I like now. So giving yourself that space and that freedom to explore fully, you know without any shame. Without any shame, there's nothing shameful about your sexuality. Your sexual energy is life force energy. It is the same energy that spins the planet and moves the ocean's tides. So take that power and run with it. You have that power in between your legs. your veins, you have the veils between the two worlds at your cervix. You are the creator of your reality. You are the creator of most of the existence. Like there's nothing shameful about that. There's nothing but power to be embodied. How can you live from that space? And I literally softened into this safety that I've never experienced before because I felt seen because I felt heard because I felt honored because I wasn't being rushed Mm -hmm. because my boundaries were being listened to and I listened to my body Mm -hmm. I could have just done it you know but the thing is is like with an awakened pussy, right? And when I mean awaken, it's about being turned in and turned on. That's what I mean by an awakened pussy. And she takes no shit. She will not use lube to cover up her nose. She will not accept inferior lovers or inferior cocks. She will not put up with people crossing her boundaries. Like this is just not what we're
0: here for. Right? <laughs> yeah. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> oh so true. Oh my God. Right. Yeah.
1: And it's it's about giving yourself permission to say no. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not ready. Yeah. How many times, realistically, because I know I've done this countless times. How many times have you said yes mm. to having something inserted in your pussy, whether it be a yoni egg, a tampon, a moon cup, you know, having penetrative sex, a dildo, a glass wand? How many times have you inserted something into your body and not? actually been ready. You haven't had that full body fuck yes. Because A, that is the only way I wanna live my life is with a full body fuck yes. And if it's not a full body fuck yes, it's a hell no. It's not fucking happening. And that's okay because it doesn't mean just because it's not a yes right this moment doesn't mean it's not going to be a yes. But give yourself that permission, give yourself that time. It takes men around three to five minutes to be fully aroused and be ready for penetrative sex and almost to have an orgasm. For women, it takes 30 to 40 minutes. So you are not going to be ready the same time as your partner, your sexual partner is going to be. And that's okay. How many times I've done, I've done something because I thought, oh God, I've been here 10 minutes. Like he's going to be waiting for me. Good, let him wait. What a fucking honor it is. <laughs> yes. yes. Thank you very much right? And because I have created this bound, these boundaries and this consent and this relationship to my body, I am able to go so much deeper. Like that, that um experience, that particular sexual experience, I had like full body, multiple orgasms during that experience. Like I was there because everything was in alignment because I waited and I trusted and my partner was there. I respected myself and my partner was respecting me. If your sexual partner's not respecting you, then walk the fuck out the door. Yes. Right. Right. There's no need for some, like you don't have to be doing anything for anybody other than yourself. So it's just creating, creating that relationship, um, more than anything. And I feel as though on my, on my journey for me, I was always like, oh, I can only have one orgasm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nope. <laughs> huh? Are you okay, hun? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> what? Look at the biggest lie ever told that women can't trust their bodies. That is the biggest lie we have ever been told as a woman is that we are unable to trust our bodies. So now when I have, when I go to be intimate with my partner in any way, I have an orgasm as in, um, you know, orally or whatever it is. I have an orgasm before we have penetrative sex every time, because then it's, it's, um, it's so healing on so many levels, it's taking that time, it's the boundaries, it's consent, it's the trust, it's the honor, it's the intimacy. It said then my body is fully ready. Like she is ready to be entered oh. properly and fully and surrendered and like, yes. And then it will take me time, maybe not some days more than others, but it will take me time then to have an orgasm, but it's not up for my sexual experiences on me his sexual experience is on him you know if he can't wait then he can't wait then he can finish me after like you know it doesn't stop just because he has an orgasm or she has an orgasm um so yeah there's just so much to be unlearned to be learned if that makes sense
0: (laughs) oh my god katie first of all thank you so much for sharing i stopped counting how many times I had goosebumps and I really felt you this is such a powerful story and everything you just shared is so valuable and I I felt you so many times because now I'm in the first relationship ever where I feel like my sexual lioness can be explored and can express herself because before I've either not feel uh, I never felt safe in the relationship or there was no polarity. And this time I really feel like, like you said, I feel seen, I feel heard, I feel mm-hmm. nourished, I feel loved, I feel respected, appreciated. And this is really the key through the heart. The yoni opens up to so much more pleasure. I experience orgasms. I didn't even know were possible. Like mm-hmm. last week we had a really, really beautiful lovemaking and I'm not kidding. I had an orgasm for four or five songs straight. I'm not kidding. It was like, he's like, is this ever going to stop? And I said, I don't know. I hope it doesn't. <laughs> because we are so used to these clitoral orgasms, but there's so much more pleasure potential if we really open before we let anything in, before we, yeah, before we... uh running towards the goal of an orgasm this was just waves of bliss and orgasm running up and down through my whole being and he was not even penetrating me he was just using his hands and i I believe he has magical hands (laughs) so i would like to dive um, with you a little bit deeper on how imagine you're the katie six years ago that already had a lot of sex but didn't honor her womb how can you for those who are listening and they don't have this connection yet and they maybe just do the vibrator session three minutes before going to bed how can you start exploring your womb space your yoni your different pleasure portals to open your body up for more pleasure how can you make this ritual of self pleasure more sacred
1: Mm.
0: well that's exactly it right like I don't
1: use the term masturbation because for me, that's what I used to do when I used to use a vibrator and watch a lot of porn. Mm -hmm. I used to masturbate for me, whereas for me, this is more self-pleasure is more of a a journey. It's more of an experience. It is more of a ritual. When I go into self-pleasure and when I invite everybody to do is to take take away the expectation or the intention of having an orgasm. So completely just take that out of the picture, right? Because we all know that we can have one. So it's not that you can't have one, but what about taking yourself on a journey? What about seducing yourself? I love to touch my own body. Like even now I'm doing it. and I'm getting turned off, like just by touching my own body and learning these different like pleasure pathways. And if you're using a vibrator, it means that your pleasure pathways are just, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They are wired in one particular place, So you know exactly where to touch and how to touch and how long for with this really strong, um, you know, vibration. And that's amazing, right? Especially if it's a clitoral one because your your clitoris is the only place on any body that is solely for pleasure. That's the only purpose of a clitoris is for pleasure. So, you know, by touching her, it will happen it will come but what about literally but what about just like taking that away and being soft and being slow and i i guarantee you there will be a hundred if not more other things that you will explore about yourself that you did not even know was there you know Touching all the way from your feet, slowly bringing them all the way up your legs, in between your thighs, around your bum, your womb. You know, touching her, giving her love, saying, I love you. Coming up to your breasts, your breasts are the portal to your heart. So giving yourself a beautiful breast massage, really opening up that space. This is not a sales point and I'm not saying to breast massage for this, but my breasts have definitely grown since I've been tapping into my feminine more. So ladies, I just, there are so many <laughs> yes. I can't say it's going to work for everyone, but I've definitely noticed that because my heart is now more open my breasts are definitely bigger because I'm, I'm opening that space and that blood flow and everything and moving it around. Coming up into your scalp and rubbing your hair, like, oh yes, and coming down. And you can play with like different sensations. So maybe it's like a feather-like touch and then coming into something that's more earthy and grounded, maybe like a massage where you like knead your body doing this and grabbing yourself in places and then a little bit more fiery with pinches and flicks and maybe scratching and biting and and explore like it's supposed to be fun it isn't serious this is pleasure is your birthright it is what you are here to explore and embody so have fun with it take away the 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 notions and the ideas and everything that you've ever been told about it and actually just find what you like because what you like isn't necessarily what anybody else is going to like not that that's you know weird or different that's beautiful that's unique so how can you meet yourself here how can you be liberated in that where can you infuse pleasure into everything that you do? So making your morning cup of coffee, you know, dancing round naked. Like I dance in front of the mirror naked and I'm like, wow, look at me. Like there was t- <laughs> Up until not that long ago, like a couple of years, I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. There's absolutely no way I could even look at myself in the mirror. So if that is you now, I promise you, Go slowly, listen to your body, and have fun with it. But really, you know, lighting candles, putting on a really sexy playlist that you enjoy, um, massaging yourself, long baths. And the way which I love to connect to my yoni and ask for consent before entering her at any point is I place one hand on my heart and one hand on my womb or my yoni. And I just close down my eyes. I just take three deep breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth. And I ask her, how are you? What is it that you desire? How can I support you? How can I hold you? How can I love you today? And creating that connection because I promise you, she will respond. If you ask her, she will respond to you. And saying, if you don't have time, I believe everybody has time, we just have a choice. (laughs) Which again, people would be like, I have three kids, I can't do this. Okay, we'll get up 15 minutes earlier. That's my response. And people don't like that. And that's absolutely okay. Please don't at me because I'm not interested because you can get up 15 minutes earlier. cute angry DMs. <laughs> and that's okay because i am your divine mirror i'm simply holding up you right that's the best that's the best bit it's like what you see in me all the qualities you see in me are within yourself right it's so beautiful um and just simply taking the three breaths and just holding your yoni in your heart and just being like are you ready can i enter you and she will, she will speak. And if it's, if it's a yes, then great. If it's a no, then wait. And if it's nothing, it's a no. So wait. It's the, it's really that simple. It's just asking her because your body is the Oracle, you know, all of the answers you seek, you know, all of the wisdom that you're looking for, all of the medicine that you desire is within yourself. That's it. You know, my, my job is is not to fix you or you know i i can't do anything for you i'm simply here to hold a mirror up to you to show you your beauty and your divinity and the infinite possibilities that's all i am here to do so listening to yourself if you listen to your body and you you are open and ready to create that connection you will never, you will always be living in full alignment. Always. I make all of my decisions with my womb space from what to wear, from what to eat, from huge business decisions, everything. I tune into my body because especially within the feminine, you know, our core is in our womb space. That's where we're, uh, that's where we're anchored. That's like, that's our brain, that's where our intuition is, that's where everything you desire lies, everything that you desire is birthed, is, is manifested, is created through your body, your body is a portal to pleasure, your body is the portal to money, to abundance, to, to insert anything you desire, it is through your
0: body. Yes. Amen. So true. (laughs) Oh my God. Thank you, Katie, so much for you sharing your wisdom and I could talk for hours with you. I think we have to do a second (laughs) one. (laughs) (laughs) No, truly. It was really inspiring and so, so magical to speak with you, to feel your energy, to feel your radiance and your aliveness. It's really been an honor and to wrap this up, I have one last question to you. for you that I ask all of my interview guests. If you imagine to go back in time and maybe there comes up a situation in a relationship or you as a child or that specific moment that happened to you when you were 14 years old and you have wisdom now through your journey and you know something that would have helped you back then, what would you tell young Katie in that moment?
1: You're going to be okay. You are going to be okay. You are divinely guided and supported and you are so loved. Everything that you need is within you. So stay true to yourself. Live in your alignment. Take off your masks. You don't need them. And you are perfect. Perfectly imperfect just the way you are.
0: I loved it so much. <laughs> so how can people connect with you, work with you?
1: Mm, please, yeah. So you can connect with me on Instagram. It's at I am Katie Moore and Katie has two E's. I have one-to-one mentoring spaces, which is a deep dive into everything that we've talked about today. And rebirthing breath work as well, if that's something that you felt called to explore. And my wait list for my sensual self-love program, Devotion, which is literally everything that we talked about just within like a group setting. Um, the waitlist is open and it's going live next month. And we start next month in March. Mm. It is the most incredible eight week journey. We start softening into safety. She softened into safety is the first. So all about coming home to your body, regulating your nervous system. We um, play with the masculine and feminine energy, shadow work, sex magic, my favorite. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, rebirthing breath works always in there as well. It's just the most p- powerful and potent place to come home to your body and fall in love with the power between your legs. So that's <laughs> a for you, and yeah, come and play
0: <laughs> amazing. I will link it in the show notes. Thank you Thank so you. much, Katie. <laughs> Thank
1: you so much, my love. It's been such a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did and it touched your soul as much as as it did mine. And if you want to experience Katie's magic, make sure to sign up for the Pleasure Sunday on the 27th of March for her magical rebirthing breathwork journey. And I hope you have a wonderful week and i see you next week.